0: But at a few weeks of age, he started to reject both the breast and bottle. He would appear irritable and his mother thought that he was hungry because it had been a while since he last fed. And he was irritable, he was crying, so she just thought he was hungry. She would hold Sam in her arms and introduce him to either formula or breast milk. Sam would put the nipple in his mouth, suck for a short period of time, arch his back, turn away, and scream! After a period of time, he would return to the nipple, suck for a short period of time, and scream again. Feeding took forever because this is how the feeding behavior looked. In the meantime, Sam's mother became increasingly upset. She did not know why baby Sam was rejecting food. She took Sam to see either the pediatrician or the family medicine physician as either of them can see children. His mother became increasingly upset because Sam seemed to refuse to feed. Sam's doctor thought that perhaps his symptoms were that of silent reflux. He prescribed an acid suppressive medication. Guess what happened? Although in many cases, I am sure that they could help these acid suppressive medication. In Sam's case, his symptoms did not get any better after taking them, you see. Acid reflux seems to be a common diagnosis these days. However, when given acid-suppressing medication, some children's feeding does not get better. Why is that? This conversation is very important. And this conversation is part of a new training on histamine blockers that I have available for you on my website, the website of DrEvcutt.com. I will link to it in the show notes for this podcast. The free training will tell you a whole lot more than this episode can, and I highly recommend that you take it. But in the meantime, I want to answer two questions in this podcast. First, what is reflux? Second, why do we often say that children with vomiting, feeding challenges, or a lot of crying have reflux? I'm going to spend the rest of this post discussing what reflux is, its role in these symptoms. I'm Dr. Evka, the mom at the playgroup who's in charge of the food and the lecture series. Empowering other mothers when something seems off with their children. Sharing mindset work when it comes to motherhood, medicine made understandable, and mastery of your child and who that child is when they have food intolerances, feeding challenges, or other of your concerns. You've heard that I'm a family doctor, a feeding physician, a life coach, a nutritionist, and a best-selling author. But if you ask me, I will tell you. I'm another mom just like you. And I'm your friend. Just remember that this information is being shared for educational purposes only and some of it's opinion-based. If you have a specific medical concerns, please see your regular doctor. That's not me. It's often said that many young children develop reflux, but reflux, in and of itself, is overly diagnosed. Most babies and some toddlers have reflux. Then why is it that when young children have feeling challenges, vomiting, or excessive crying, the culprit is often thought to be reflux? It almost seems as if we're medicalizing normalcy. We're medicalizing what's normal. We're giving it like a medical diagnosis. Aren't we supposed to be trying to make children who are sick, who have diagnoses, better? Anyway, today, at first, I wanted to discuss reflux. What is reflux? If you look at the definition of reflux in a dictionary, you might come across the following definition. Reflux is the flow of fluid through a tube in the opposite direction to how it is meant to go. There's a physical reason why backwards flow can happen in babies. You can think of the digestive tract as one hollow tube filled with muscles. The stomach is in the large portion of that hollow tube, and the stomach has a lot of muscles. When we eat food goes into the mouth down another portion of the digestive tube through a ring of muscle and into the stomach. Oh, it's finally there. For many older children and adults, that ring of muscle keeps this other portion of the digestive tube separate from the stomach. The stomach has strong muscles. These muscles do what muscles do. Right? What do muscles do? They contract and relax. They contract and relax. The stomach also produces acid. Thanks to the action of this ring of muscle, this acid does not wind up in the tube connecting the mouth to the stomach. If the ring of muscle cannot quite do its job, however, then the stomach muscles contract and relax. Acidic stomach juice may get into this tube. Think of the stomach like a stomp rocket. I'm gonna tell you how to make a quick one um, because I recently did this This as a fun experiment with my child, I thought it was fun. So this is that Dr. Evka version of a stomp rocket and it's gonna explain to you how a stomach pump works. Okay, so here are the directions. Go to the store and buy an aluminum juice pouch. Not a box of juice, but an aluminum juice pouch. Part of the packaging usually includes a straw surrounded by a plastic wrapper. Make a small ball out of the part of the plastic wrapper once you remove it from the straw. And then attach one end of the straw to the juice pouch. Tape it in place. Attach the other end of the juice box to the small ball. Now, stomp on the juice box filled with juice, like stomp, stomp, stomp. The small ball should fly out from the other side of the straw. In fact, if the straw is not securely fastened to the juice box or the stomp is strong enough, perhaps the straw and the juice will fly out as well. If you want a video demonstration, it's going to be in my free training, so just sign up for it and you'll see video demonstration of me making a stomp rocket. How fun. The Anyway, just like a stomp rocket, the stomach does a similar stomping action. The goal of the stomping is to propel food further down the digestive tract. Its goal is not to have the food move backwards. However, if the muscle connecting the stomach to the tube above it cannot close properly, stomach contents might fly up into the mouth. In reflux, stomach contents flows back up the tube from which it previously came. This reverse flow is known as reflex. It is common in very young children because connecting muscles um, in the upper parts of the digestive tract, the stomach, are not perfect. So those muscles that would normally prevent um, the stomach uh, contents from going up into the tube above it are not perfect. It takes time for these muscles to learn how to effectively close shut when the stomach is trying to stomp to pump food further down the digestive tract. Symptoms of reflux in babies include wet burps or hiccups, as well as spit up. Fluid winds up oozing out of the mouth. This is a normal process until the muscle uh, between the upper digestive tube and the stomach figures out better what it's supposed to do. What I find interesting is that young children's symptoms such as vomiting, failure to thrive and excess crying might be attributed to reflux. If most babies have reflux, then why don't most babies also have vomiting, failure to thrive and excess crying? And that's something that we need to discuss. Many children thought to have reflux may actually have something else going on. This is especially true if we're discussing pathological reflux. We're not talking about those children who spit up every once in a while or who have hiccups. If a young child has vomiting, excess crying, and weight changes as well as feeding refusal, we're not talking about run-of-the-mill reflux, just a normal process. We are talking about something else, and I want to spend this episode discussing it. What are some of these mimickers of reflux? So how do we do that? Well, if you go on the Dr. Evka website, in the about section you will find the wording click here to get a list of diagnoses that might mimic reflux that list is huge i will link to it in the show notes for this episode some of the medical conditions that are on that list include non-IGE mediated food allergies, including FPIs, pies, eosinophilic esophagitis, various motility disorders, cyclic vomiting syndrome, and so on and so on and so on. When people attribute young children's symptoms to these other medical conditions, even people attribute young children's symptoms to reflux, are they disregarding these other diseases? Such disregard can happen when it comes to diagnoses. Did you know that the youngest children for a given grade level are at high risk of being diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or ADHD? This is compared to children on the same grade level who are older. If a third grader is born in November, for instance, that person is more likely to be diagnosed with ADHD compared to a third grader who's born in July school year started in September or October. So the child who's born in November is older by many months compared to the child born in July. Both children are at the same grade level, but the younger child might naturally be a bit more immature. When you are told by the school that your younger child might need to be evaluated for ADHD, perhaps what the school is actually describing is a case of immaturity. And perhaps it's not even the physicians, like the developmental doctors and some of the neurologists who are diagnosing these children with ADHD. They might be saying, you know what, the child is just immature for their age, but it might be other people thinking, well, maybe this child has ADHD, when in fact it's not ADHD, it's just a case of immaturity. In the same way, parents might be told that their children have reflux. It might not even be the doctor saying that their children have reflux or sign of reflux. It might be like just like the community at large, that word reflux is thrown out, a lot, around a lot. In fact, it is a common diagnosis that is given in the first six months of life, not necessarily even by doctors, but also by other members of the general public. Some children who cry a lot, have feeding challenges, vomit, or have changes in the growth curve may be prescribed medications for this thing called reflux, which is normal physiological. It's due to that muscle in the connecting stomach to the tube above it, just not working quite right. And yet, medications are even given over the counter or they're prescribed for this reflux. Even if doctors don't prescribe it, perhaps a friend tells a family member whose child is having these kinds of symptoms, give your child a medication for reflux. You can even buy these medications without a prescription. Yet, a couple of good randomized studies suggest that there is no benefit to treatment of reflux in young children with acid suppressors. This is different from, like, gastroesophageal reflux disease or some of these other medical conditions um, that we will talk about, um, either in this episode or in other ones, or that you can look up on my website. But silent reflux, or reflux that really isn't much of anything, just this physiological stuff. Um, if it's given a histamine block or a proton pump inhibitor or some kind of an acid suppressor, might not make a difference. The children might not get better because we're talking about a normal physiological process that's going on with them in the first place. There's a free course about one of the treatments of reflux with some of these acid suppressors on my website, DrEvka.com. I'll link to it in my show notes. I highly recommend it for you. The free course is worth taking if you ask me, it's free. So why is it that some caregivers swear by acid suppressors? Why do they say that they gave their children acid suppressors and their symptoms seem to get much better? Were they lying? I don't think so, I believe them. Part of the reason why children improve with acid suppressors is not because these children have reflux. It could be because they have some kind of disease process Or the acid uh, suppressors are treating other medical conditions, not just regular run-of-the-mill reflux. In some cases, acid suppressors are actually of benefit. Again, I discussed this more in my free training. In interim, I want you to understand that acid suppressors do not treat run-of-the-mill reflux as defined by my prior example. In fact, there are risks to taking acid suppressors. For instance, some acid suppressors like proton pump inhibitors actually carry a significant risk with them. Children whose stomach acid is lowered may be at increased risk of developing lower respiratory tract infections like pneumonia. Stomach acid works as a line of defense against infections. When the stomach's contact becomes less acidic, a child may become more vulnerable to these infections one of my goals on the dr evka platform is to give you a better sense of what actually your child has is it just run-of-the-mill reflux? is it something else to learn more about what you you can do and how you can figure all of this out i recommend that you stay tuned subscribe to this podcast like it give it a review if you get like it like give it five stars on your favorite podcast app but if you give five stars please and you review it i'll make sure to sh- give you a shout out in my show notes and um you'll be able to spread this podcast to other people so go ahead and do that please if you want in any case um i also wanted to let you know that there's a new Revamp of my website because previously I was talking about children with feeding challenges, children with vomiting, children with excessive crying, right? like that hasn't changed in some of your mindset around it and some techniques you can use to help with these challenges. But what are all of these challenges linked to? They're linked to children who may be misdiagnosed or reflex. So I think that's gonna be like the overall general gist of the platform, and then all these other things: your non-IgE immune food allergies, your feeding challenges, like all that stuff. It's still gonna be included. We're still gonna talk a ton about it. We're just gonna lump all of it under uh, one umbrella term, and that's when it's not just reflux. So thank you for listening. I'll see you next week around the same time for my next episode.